I just oh. had uh, Adam Scott on the show. And we, oh! We talked a little bit about Blade. Mm -hmm. the movie, uh, Blade, comic book Blade. Oh, yeah. And then I was reminded by my producers, were you in Blade? I was in, oh, I wish I was in Blade. That, the first <laughs> two movies are fantastic. I am in Blade Trinity, which uh, <laughs> is, no, no. Um, here's what I'll say about Blade Trinity. If you watch, and, and by the way, I'm friends with the writer director and he agrees with me on this. If you just sit and watch Blade <laughs> Trinity, it's a D minus. It just doesn't work. <laughs> but if you know what they went through to get that movie made, yeah. it is an A plus. The fact that that movie exists puts it above Citizen Kane. Three Films on a Podcast has no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode. All film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders and is used solely with the intent of film criticism, commentary, and education under fair use law. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Three Films in a Podcast. We've got Tyler up in Portland. That's right. Here I am. And we've got Ben Lawhorn up in Salt Lake City. Hello. And I'm down here in Pleasant Grove, Utah. And tonight we have a very fun episode for you. Um, and I'm going to try to explain... Um, maybe make up an origin story on how we came to trilogies. <laughs> but uh, essentially we had a watch party and then we had a second watch party, which we called the sequel watch party where we watched sequels, um, which was a ton of fun. And that watch party actually turned into like sort of a trilogy watch party organically because we didn't stop at the sequel. We continued and watched the third one. And then I think Ben had the idea, you know, why don't we, for our next round, each pick a trilogy that we cover on an episode? And so uh, Tyler, Ben, and I uh, opened up the trilogy encyclopedia <laughs> and went through page by page to find the right trilogies to cover. And I um, was lucky enough to, to find Blade Unclaimed. Uh, yes, for sir. those of you who don't know what Blade or who Blade is. Shame um, on you. <laughs> we're going to we're going to rewind back to 1998. Um, and while you and your mom were watching how Stella got her groove back, Ben Tyler and I <laughs> vicariously were in the theater with the people watching Blade. I was actually watching Armageddon and I was also <laughs> watching the Utah Jazz lose to the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah. Tough year for Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Although we did get Armageddon really out of it. <laughs> That's true. We did get that. Um I do want to say that I think the trilogies is an equally good and horrible idea on my part because I was like, oh, that means we're watching like nine movies for three episodes. Like I'm looking past the trilogies <laughs> and we just have to watch one movie for one episode. Like, oh, yeah. that's going to be Cakewalk. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a <laughs> three movies just to talk about yeah, it for sure. Sad. But I'm excited. I, I love what we picked. I was super stoked that you picked Blade. Uh, it's been for something sure. that had been on my, you know, super long list of things to watch. So I'm glad we get, we got to it. Absolutely. I, I've just, I'm especially now, like what you said, after we know what it, uh, watching all these trilogies entails, I'm really glad I didn't force us to watch Lord of the Rings. I was going to, I was like, had it set yeah. in my mind. I was like, we're watching Lord of the Rings. It's my favorite, <laughs> arguably my favorite movie besides like, you know, the big Lebowski. And I love all three of them equally. Well, that's maybe I, not true, but the, you know, I thought about the same thing because like, <laughs> I don't remember it like you guys. So I was like, it's probably good for me to rewatch it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, luckily we just, I think we all went, all nine of these are brand new to all of us. Is that right? Exactly. I think. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm super good. excited about. It's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was cool to, it was cool to find. Um, so yeah, some trilogies. The thing is like, there aren't very many trilogies that no one knows a lot about. Like mm -hmm. most if, if a movie got three movies, most people have seen, you know, a few of them or one, at least one of them. So yeah. it, it was fun to find three unique trilogies that, that we hadn't seen. Um, Blade, just a, a brief background of the movie and the character is a Marvel comic superhero, um, a day walking vampire. And this movie is played by Wesley Snipes directed by Stephen Norrington and really is a product of its time. Um, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kick 
over to Ben just to give us a brief, I guess, history of superhero movies up to that point and where Blade fits into all of that. For sure. Yeah. I, in my super brief research for my brief uh, <laughs> breakdown of superhero movies, um, I mean, there were there were movies done back like in the 30s and 40s. Like there's there's like a Batman movie from 1943. There's hmm. Superman from 48. So, I mean, they, they did this stuff back then. But I think what I consider the first real superhero movie ever was the uh, Richard Donner Superman from 1978. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of something that everyone kind of ties in with just like that was the beginning of the superhero movement. Um, I, I mean, it's a great movie. I, we got quite a few out of that. Yeah. We have like, is it two or three that has Richard Pryor? I don't remember exactly. Three, but I think has Richard Pryor. He put these laser beams out of his eyes onto everything. Dried up everything. Just like that. I'm talking about dried it up like the machines that they have in the man's rooms. You know what I'm talking about? The hot air comes out and you put your hands under there and you dry them off. Sometimes they don't work, right? So um, I think that was one of the first successful superhero movies. The next one that I think about goes to the Tim Burton Batmans. So we kind of like jump a decade. And I think it makes sense that, you know, the first two real superhero movies are arguably two of the biggest superheroes of all all time, you know, Superman and Batman. Uh, And that just led into more, you know, if you want to mess with the, the phrasing of a superhero versus comic book movie, but we got a lot of stuff like, you know, you got the Ninja Turtles, you got, toxic adventure you got even mighty Morphin power rangers like there's a lot of comic mm-hmm. books that got adapted but um i think for me after the batmans the next thing i really think about jumping another decade to the end of the 90s is blade starts we get the sam raimi spider-man trilogy we get the x-men mm-hmm. trilogy we get um leading in then to the dark knight trilogy um so i think for the beginning dc really kind of had their hands like in the superhero genre other than the X-Men, you know, and Spider-Man, but Marvel kind of sold those off, you know, so Marvel studios could still exist. So those are Fox and Sony properties at that point. And then I think one of the biggest franchises of all time, most successful franchises ever starts with Iron Man in 2008, I believe. Is that right? I think it's 2008. Yep. And that's created what I would say is the, the most successful franchise in film history. Uh, 23 movies, just, you know, billions of dollars and Marvel just kind of built it with kind of just the scraps that they had left over mm-hmm. in Iron Man and Hulk and <laughs> Thor and Captain America, which sounds weird to say now for, you know, how much money they brought in. But at the time, yeah. like they had to sell off Spider-Man and X-Men and Fantastic Four just so they could stay afloat. And then they turned it right. into to what it is now, um, now having gotten Spider-Man back. So that's like a, a super brief run from, you know, 78 to, to now of like what I feel the main superhero movies were of those times. Yeah. What's crazy is that up up until blade, the earliest um, Marvel property that had been depicted on the big screen was Howard, the duck with the help of Lucasfilm, which was in the late Mm eighties. And so it almost went like a decade without a single Marvel character in theaters, which is like insane now. And kind of like you mentioned, like the biggest IP that uh, Marvel has is Spider-Man and X-Men. Like, I don't think people realize that the Avengers and like those characters didn't sell the bulk of comic books for Marvel, Mm -mm. like for a long stretch of time. Like, it's all Spider-Man and X-Men. So what they were able to do was like pretty, pretty incredible. And Blade, like, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm not sure if Blade even had his own comic book. (laughs) Like, I think he's just a character in someone's comic book. Yeah, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know that he had his own run at all, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you you said it perfectly. Just they had to sell off the most popular stuff just to to keep their doors open, so to speak. I remember when they announced Iron Man, and I was just kind of like, why would they start with him? Like, he's just not a <laughs> superhero. Like, he's one you've heard of maybe, but like, he's not someone that you know Tony Stark, like you know Peter Parker or anything. Yeah, it seemed like such a weird thing to kick it off with, mm-hmm. but. Man, I'm I'm sure glad they did. Yeah, and it introduced arguably my worst take ever. The the thing I was most <laughs> wrong about, I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Adam Palcher, uh, which you know I'll plug. We can plug his pod, the uh, yeah, the uh, 
Well, hell, what the hell's the name? Deep Dive Film School. <laughs> That's right. I always know it as a damn a damn movie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Deep Dive Film School. I remember he and I were talking about Iron Man uh, when it was being made and how uh, you know it was going to be Robert Downey Jr. And at the time, I frankly didn't know much about him. And for some reason, I just thought he sucked. I don't, I don't know where I got that from. And so I was just like, I was like, Robert Downey Jr. That's going to be terrible. Like that guy mm-hmm. sucks. And Paul, you got it from Lord Michaels. I'll never forget the look he gave me. Like this guy has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> and he was like super cool to me, you know. So it's along one of the the, the many times I've disappointed Paul here. <laughs> my, my movie takes but uh you know that's why we're you know that's why we're doing this this podcast and uh that's why i've always enjoyed the work that he does with his pod so if anyone listening to this you like movies check them out they're awesome yeah and shout out paltrow he he was gracious enough to help us as we were starting this thing kind of giving us the the info that he had from starting his pod so um yeah highly suggest deep dive film school for sure and we've talked about this too and i, I want to mention it again just because i'll never be able to get over it but just how just by the fact of them selling off those ips and then having to create a universe around some of their lesser known stuff completely flipped like the comic book hierarchy you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i know for, i know for a fact like kids that i see in my life like little kids they like iron man and captain america a little bit of thor some hulk you know what i mean it's not yeah. like batman and spider-man don't have the stranglehold that they used to and in fact like I wonder if some kids think of Spider-Man as almost like a secondary character because he came so late into the movies. And so it's just mm-hmm. interesting how it all played out. You know, the, the short game uh, really affected the long game in a way that's like, you know, kind of surprising and strange to us who grew up with Spider or Superman and Batman and Super or Spider-Man being like the, uh, like the unapproachable top three. And now it's, that's not mm-hmm. the case at all. Yeah. Now every household knows who Groot is. I'm Groot. For sure. Yeah. That in <laughs> 2000. No. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> it's the only comic book movie my mom likes is uh, the yeah. uh, the uh, Guardians G- of the Guardians? Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's awesome. That's awesome. Well, honestly, like people today, um, if if you if you've started if you're introducing the superhero genre today. Just by the way Marvel and I'd even say Christopher Nolan, the way Christopher Nolan and Marvel have reinvented that genre, like it's actually tough to go back in time and watch some of the earlier attempts at the genre without just accepting it for what it is. Right. And so that brings me to my next question, which I'm going to pose on Tyler is what it rewinding back to 1998, what exactly was Blade trying to be? Oh, Matthew, that's a great question. Um, and honestly, I think I talked about it in my letterbox reviews quite a bit. Um, I honestly don't think they really know, (laughs) you know, like I'm I'm trying to like, it came out a little bit before the matrix. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't have enough scope or memory to, to real remember like what the landscape was like. Uh, but I mean, we're talking, we talked about the top of the podcast. It was movies like Armageddon and like that sort of thing. It was, it wasn't like what it was up against, like typical blockbusters. And so I don't, I honestly couldn't say what they expected to get out of the blade, uh, the blade universe. Mm -hmm. Um, but each, each three of these movies in this trilogy were like completely different movies to me. Like I felt like the first one, they, they honestly were like, we're going to ride the line between trying to be cinematic and like, uh, like serious and like have it be like a serious thing as much as you can be with, you know, vampires exploding and stuff like that. And then being campy, like they were, they were zigging and zagging, dipping their toe on each end of the, you know, each end of the pool. And they, and, and I mean, it didn't hurt the movie necessarily. I mean, the movie is what it is. It's a fun, it's a, it's a fun movie where a guy goes around and kills vampires. And that's pretty much what I wrote in, in my, in my review. Cause I, I kept bouncing on back and forth between like, Oh, come on. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, like yeah. I was watching, I was watching with our friend Chris and uh, I kept pausing it. Like, I can't remember the things I was calling out. And eventually I realized like, I have to stop doing this and picking this movie apart because that's not Hmm. what this movie is. Like it's just a guy. He's just going to like say some cool one liners and he's just going to kill some vampires. (laughs) And it just falls into the category of like, we talked about on the man of fire episode is, uh, you know, sometimes the point is to just like look cool, say cool shit, 
and do cool shit. <laughs> and like, yeah. So they, they have this character that's a, a, a vampire samurai ninja. I, I don't know what he <laughs> is. Now. He's got a sword. He's, he, he's certainly, it. he's certainly got ninja aspects and you know, all this different martial arts stuff. And uh, they've got a guy that can play it, Wesley Snipes. I think, Matt, you mentioned it. I didn't know this, but he was like an actual karate master, some sort of martial arts martial artist. I don't really know what his background is there, but they've got a guy that that can do the moves. He can look cool and say cool stuff. And and they just kind of they leaned into it. And then when the second movie rolled around, I feel like they realized what worked best was not taking themselves too seriously. Let's just dive mm-hmm. in on the camp and the silliness and just like, let's just lean into how ridiculous this is and mm-hmm. stop, stop trying to take ourselves so seriously. And for my money, the second one was the best one out of the trilogy because of that. Uh, whereas the third one, I feel like, you know, the, the franchise had some heat behind it. They obviously wanted to put some more people in it. Uh, they put, you know, some higher, well, I can't say how high profile they were at the time, but you know, it's Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel and, um, yeah, a few other people and, and, and they, they really tried to lean into it and, and create like a, like a, a weighted story and, and something to like actually chew on, which really hurt it in my opinion. So to answer your question, I don't really know what it was trying to be because <laughs> was it trying to be just like a funny, silly thing? Were they trying to make it a franchise? Was Blade supposed to be a trilogy or that did it just do well enough and they realize what they could do with it. I, I really don't know, but I do think um, it's obviously super important, especially where um, comic book movies are now, especially on the R rated side. Um, you mm-hmm. can see in blade three, they were really pushing the envelope there. There was a lot of F words and there was like started, they were starting to dig into where you could have like, you could tell compelling stories in, in an adult nature with these like silly characters the movie, I, in my opinion, failed to do that. I still enjoyed it, but it started to lay the groundwork and show that that can work. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, for all of its faults, uh, I, I feel like Blade's super important to uh, a genre that's now taken over uh, cinema. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think I'm glad it happened and I'm glad we watched it. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's a good three star trilogy you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you're gonna have fun you don't it's not gonna win any awards but that's that doesn't matter i feel like i agree with everything you're saying i feel like the first blade movie kind of took um some tone some some like tonal stuff from the first batman movie yeah exactly where it's like yeah. let's make it dark but then it was also just like but also let's throw in rave culture you know yeah. it's mm-hmm. like okay cool let's do that let's like let's have a bloodbath rave which is like hands down my favorite part of like all three of these movies like yeah it's the very first thing we see in the first part. movie yeah i'm like oh this is really cool i like wherever this is going i'm on board yeah. um i agree with you that i think the second one is the best and i think a lot of that has to do with guillermo, guillermo del toro um right. which you said matt was like your reason that you chose blade that was like the mm-hmm. final thing for you when we were like chatting yeah. you know on the slack was like oh if he did this then i i, I want to watch it um, yeah. and you, I think you could easily see how the next thing he did is he went to Hellboy after this. Mm-hmm. And like, if you guys seen, if anybody's seen Hellboy, you like, you kind of get those vibes, the beginning of it from blade two. And I think he perfected it in Hellboy. I think Hell, Hellboy is wonderful. Ron Perlman yep. is great. It's good to see like his cast of characters in two. And I'll just say like, honestly, it's the worst movie of the three, but I had the most fun watching Blade <laughs> Trinity. Like it was just like it's it's not good. The dialogue is so rough. Like it is hard. I think Blade says less than a hundred lines because Snipes had issues with the director and writer. <laughs> we were in Vancouver and Wesley Snipes was going crazy and he wouldn't <laughs> come out of his trailer and you'd walk by his trailer and this wall of of pot stench would just be like whoa and like kind of push you to the side and then he would you he would only answer to the name blade you you couldn't call him <laughs> he would only answer to blade. the blade yeah and uh after a while he he resorted to just give he would communicate with with uh post-its that he would give to the director and each one he would sign blade so <laughs> But I mean, it was fun to get a surprise like Parker Posey and Patton Oswalt and Natasha yeah, Leone. Yeah. Like it was fun to see those those people along with Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel. So 
I didn't know that Patton was in this, and I just know from listening to almost every word the man has said publicly, uh, I know how much like comic books mean to him. And oh, I guess yeah. I haven't listened to everything because I haven't heard the stuff he's talked about doing Blade, or I don't remember it. But I remember when I saw him on screen, I was so happy for him. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. man, you got to be in the comic book movie, like the first one. Not the first mm-hmm. one, but, you know, like... I was just so happy for him. It was really cool to see. And I didn't know uh, Del Toro directed this until his name came up on the end credits. I think I had missed that in the Slack chat. Mm. And so when I, when I saw that, it, was, it made total sense. But uh, it was a yeah. nice little surprise. Like you get the like the, the goggles that like close. I'm like, oh, it's kind of like like uh, oh, yeah. Shape of Water stuff. Like you kind of like uh-huh. there's definitely those things that you know. Like if you know Del Toro. Like his you, character you models. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. The Pan's Labyrinth stuff. Like all this. Like all his stuff kind of like slides in together just perfectly so yeah i thought it was good but yeah i mean it's hard to go into that first blade movie because all they have to go off of is like the batmans and and obviously the superman isn't the right tone for this we hadn't seen the matrix yet we hadn't had x-men yet so they just kind of i don't know let's give this a shot and i think that's maybe the best way to to um you know sum it up it's just like it's batman in rave culture you know it's for just sure. like, yeah that's, i don't know how else to explain it but uh, it's not a bad tag for it yeah i mean i feel like uh when they were thinking of making this there was like the, the at least the vibe i got from the first movie and it kind of evolved over the over the trilogy and probably why it did well enough to get a trilogy to begin with was i feel like they were flirting with that like teenage audience that had just turned 17 mm-hmm. or like the, the 16 and 15 year olds that were going with like their older siblings to R rated movies. And I feel like that was like the sweet spot that they were going for. Yeah. Just cause even the tone of like the, it, it felt like it was trying hard to be a rated R movie, yeah. but not, <laughs> but not just to get, just to qualify, but not push the envelope on like what it means to be a rated R movie. And like that kind of shows the flaw in our rating system because I feel like outside of like some really forced F words, like F words that are like the punchline of like some campy scene, um, the movie could have easily been, you know, PG 13. Yeah. And so it's like that, that graduation into like R rated movies. Whereas like number two, maybe push it a little further and three kind of finally became like, okay, this is, this is an R-rated movie. Yeah, three kicked it a, off the yeah. off the edge there. Let, let, let's get right. Let's get Van Wilder in here. And uh, <laughs> do yeah. you do you think it's possible that um, after? Because to me, watching the second one, I, the first thing I thought was like, this is an obvious response to the Matrix. Like it's a few years after the Matrix, like mm-hmm. you know, a number of years. Um, but there's just, I mean, it's too hard not to borrow from the Matrix when you're doing an action movie like this. But even like even though the first one was set in like rave culture, it was almost like they were trying to have like the same soundtrack. You know what I mean? They would try like uh, the end scene where they're, they're fighting in the, in the, I can't remember, like they're in a club, I think, or I think, I think it's a Mm. club. And just the way that the way they show them running down hallways with the walls exploding next to them because the bullets and it's in slow motion. I just, I felt like, they had an IP that they thought would work with a lot of elements from the matrix. And it, and to me it did, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I just wonder if that's why it got made. They were like, blade did well enough. The matrix, you know, revolutionized action movies. So yeah. why don't we try and take some of those elements and make it silly, you know? And I, I think uh, to me, I think that might be why the second one happened. And then the third one happened just because of money, <laughs> which, you know, I'm not mad at, I had fun watching it. So it's, yeah, it's a business. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a good point. It's, it was hard for any movie not to be influenced by the matrix and that came out. Mm-hmm. So I think that totally makes sense. Uh, Matt, I know you want to talk about kind of what cluster this fits in with the superhero movies. And I just put that, I, I think this also just fits in with the X-Men. It must've been somewhat of a response to that first movie. I think honestly, you like you said, this is basically a PG thirteen movie with some really forced dialogue to make it R. You know, like you could get rid of some of the blood and stuff like that. That'd be fine, but this is basically a PG thirteen movie. So I think this this version of Blade could have easily crossed over in with the X Men mm-hmm. and just been there. I could see Hugh Jackman, Wesley Snipes, like in a scene together as their respective characters, and it doesn't seem out of place. Like, oh yeah, this is the same world. Like that I totally get that that makes sense. Spider-Man might've been, you know, a little tougher with, uh, Tobey Maguire, that kind of stuff. But I just think, you know, maybe it's just the dark suits. I don't know, but kind of the tone and everything 
you know, I think you could bring down Blade to the PG-13 level and he'd fit in fine with that first X-Men run. Yeah, I think so as well. And I, I, I wrote down in addition to that, and this is the same era, um, I put that this this fits nicely with the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got that training montage with Evanescence playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like any, anytime you start like into a montage of like training or whatever and that heavy metal comes in. Yeah, it's definitely um, that that dark color palette that these movies have, where it's like, let's make it all like gritty and whatever. But you know, also, so many of these guys are from New York, you know, yeah. and like they they do their stuff at night, so it kind of makes sense. It's probably also why my dumb brain was like, oh, it's like Batman because it's New York at night. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's exactly like that's when a lot of these guys thrive. So it kind of makes sense that all of them could just like hanging out together. Also, I kind of liked, uh, this is sort of non sequitur. I liked that each time each movie was like a different version of the vampires. Like first Mm. it's just like vampires. And then the second movie is like zombie vampires. And then Mm. the third one, we have a mummy vampire. Like Mm -hmm. I really, I really liked how they kind of combined, uh, the different horror classics Mm. into one character. I thought that was kind of cool too. Definitely. Yeah. We're, we're cool. supposed to go with that comment, but <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think no, it was great. And one thing I also wanted to say was that I think it's awesome that they gave their first real comic book movie to a person of color. I think that was yeah. a pretty bold move for back then, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but it was just like, Oh, that's cool that they, they did this. Like, I'm honestly, I'm somewhat surprised they didn't whitewash the role and just give it to someone else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Steven Seagal's like filmed this exact movie before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's just done this at his own compound. Yeah. He's like, I want to do Blade, but I'll There's, by myself. Like, it's like yeah. that. It's like that. Uh, that vault that Prince supposedly has a mm. bunch of movies he produced that never came out. Yeah, I don't know if exactly. you guys have heard that Kevin Smith story, but Steven Seagal just has a vault of all the comic book action movies that he put <laughs> He's himself a star in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it. and I, so I, I'd put this movie uh, with Daredevil. I'd I'd pair it with Ghost Rider. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd yeah. put it with the the Punisher movie, which is another one that was kind of like figuring out the rated R superhero movie. Yeah. And I probably did it better because I think it took itself it knew just to take itself a more like rougher and more serious. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so yeah, that that's the cluster I would fit in. Um, felt like there was something that you said, Ben, that I was going to talk about. Ben says sure lots of cool stuff. <laughs> Don't talk about my friend that way, Ben. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think, I, uh, it was interesting. Oh, it was what, what Tyler said, like the different, ah, the different me. type of vampires. Um, yeah. well, it was, it was funny to, to see how different the three movies were. Like Tyler, you mentioned the first movie kind of had an identity crisis. Like one minute you have this rave scene with blood, uh, spouting from the ceiling. Yeah. And the very next scene, you're having these campy moments where like, uh, Wesley Snipes is like celebrating his own kills. Like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Fist pumping was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Just and the like, Tiger Woods. Like, Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we're supposed to like, we're supposed to like attach emotionally to the story yeah. with his mom and stuff. It's like, what mm-hmm. are we, su- what are we supposed to be doing here? Like, <laughs> can we just, can we just kill some vampires? <laughs> and then like, he has like this cool scene where he fights, you know, Deacon Frost and then he catches his glasses. Yeah. Oh, man. Which, okay. Like, oh, I think Angie talked a lot about it in her, in her reviews. And I felt like the catching the glasses moment is like the perfect representation of what blade is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, well, if you're going to do it, go all the way, go right. all the way. Like Angie said, like she would rather have had the glasses land on his face. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just go directly onto his face. <laughs> I was disappointed to see it not happen in the third movie. I was waiting for it. It's like, when is he going to catch his glasses and put them on? Um, but uh, so, that, yeah, the first movie didn't know what it was. Tyler, you mentioned the second movie, maybe recognized that the campiness was was the way to go. Um, I agree with you guys. I think Guillermo del Toro kind of had a better visual understanding of. Uh, I mean, he's just a he's just a great storyteller and he knows how to work in a in a weird world you know and he knows how to work Mm -hmm. in a world that doesn't make sense he knows how to make it translate and make sense you know and and keep a keep the thread there you know like he he knows how to do that sort of stuff yeah and so i i feel like um 
yeah, the second movie would like had the most success to me because it felt like it knew what it was the most and it knew what it was right. trying to be the most. Right. It was the most confident of, of the three, I think. And then Trinity, I'm trying to figure out like where a lot of these creative decisions like all of a sudden they needed a comic relief. So they bring in Ryan Reynolds, yeah. which yeah. we didn't have in the other two movies. Um, I mean, the, the closest thing to comic relief that we had in the previous two movies was the the boots guy, Whistler, like in his just like yeah. bad attitude, you know? Yeah, like the I would say the closest thing to comic relief we had in those last the first two movies was just the first two movies, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I just found myself laughing at some of the stuff that happened. And in the second movie, it was like less of a laughing at it. You know what I mean? I mean, you're always laughing at it, but it was more like I was on board with it. I was like, okay, like I think it's the confidence like this knows what it is and it's not trying to it's not an imposter of something. And I do have to say mentioning Whistler if he had two really like awesome scenes in the first two movies where he's like kicking and punching and stuff, like how cool would it have been if, uh, that these boots were made for walk-in song playing while he was, <laughs> that <laughs> was going cool. pretty good. Oh man. I think they probably um, spent all their money on the CGI. They couldn't afford the songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was in the original script. Like we need to play this song. Um, but yeah, the third movie, Ryan Reynolds is there, which, it, for those who haven't seen Blade Trinity, like this is this had this is this might as well have been his audition for Deadpool because for sure. yeah, it was basically a rough draft of Deadpool, mm-hmm. um, which w- it felt weird. It also felt weird to have him narrate the movie because you've never met him before. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought that was super weird. I, I still don't understand why. And it might have been just like they just needed something. <laughs> They're just like Ryan, you have to record this. Maybe, maybe. Like Ben, you said that uh, Snipes had problems with the director. Maybe he was supposed to do it and he refused. So they're like, I guess Ryan will do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I know him, like Snipes and Chris Christopherson did not like that they were adding in all these people. They thought it was like taking attention away from the true core, like just the two of them. And I totally understand that. And that's why. And it did too. It it didn't really work. I don't think like it's again, like it's the most fun to watch for me just because of the train wreck aspect of it, you know, and how bad Mm -hmm. some of the stuff is, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, I'm glad Del Toro went on to do Hellboy, but it would have been interesting to see him take on the Trinity and see how he Mm would have finished this off. Yeah, oh, totally. Speaking of new characters, we haven't mentioned him at all, but it's, I really enjoyed seeing uh, young Norman Reedus in the second one. Mm. I thought he was a really cool addition and a good a good way to to you know replace Whistler momentarily because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. he's like the younger, like more brash, like like confident, cocky young guy. And I thought he was really cool in that role. I really I really enjoyed him a lot in in the second one. I thought he was great, and when he came on screen, my first thought was like. That guy found a haircut that works and he's yeah. <laughs> sure. he knows what works for him and he's just going to stay true to that. So he's looked yeah, 50 he's gonna... for <laughs> no, since he was 20. Is this like, did walking dead come on? Like what's going on right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I guess we can just move on to our favorite parts of the trilogy. Um, I have a few written down, but Ben, if you want to kick us off on some of the things that were standouts to you, um, I mean, one I already mentioned really was just that opening rave scene. Like, mm-hmm. I think it really set the tone for that first movie as kind of what we were, you know, getting into for the next two hours. Visually, it's it was awesome. You know, the fight scene that takes place at like after that, like that, that was the best part of all three movies. Um, and the other thing I wrote down is like, I, I enjoyed the one liners. Like, I thought they were they, they gave a little bit of levity to the character. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate our bill. Um, that you guys already talked about, like, you know, trying to find the right balance versus the yes, got him, you know, kind of this <laughs> versus just like this real dramatic story. But I'm always in the mood for uh, a good one liner, you know, talking about, yeah. you know, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice hill or ice skate. <laughs> up hill, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess you would say that. I don't know why, but like, yeah, like I still don't <laughs> totally know what that means. Like, yeah, I think I get skate it uphill. Like, I, so like, I don't know that you can't do that, but, um, <laughs> the one that I liked the most though, for some reason was when, uh, Whistler hands him that big UV light thing. Still heavy. But you're so big. And that was it. I was like, yeah, that's like, yeah, don't complain about this. You're super buff. You're like a vampire. You can carry this. I don't know why that one really got me. He's like, you're so big. 
uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it really was that. Like, I like some of the visual, you know, stuff like the rave and then the one liners at least kind of kept me interested, you know, in the movies. For sure. Um, yeah, when I was trying to think of my favorite parts, it's it's weird because I didn't watch these movies that long ago. Um but I don't really remember anything about them to be quite <laughs> honest. Like, because to me, none of it mattered because the only thing I cared about was blade fighting vampires. I would, I genuinely probably could have watched. I think, I think every movie, each movie was a half an hour too long. So I think mm-hmm. I could have watched 70 minutes each movie of blade fighting, just like fighting the vampires. So for me, the favorite, my favorite part of the trilogy, and I, I realized this watching the third one, I felt like it was a really smart decision to make the vampires explode when they die. Like, rather than just, like, mm-hmm. shrivel up and kind of, like, disintegrate, like, the fact that they explode is, like, very satisfying, right? Like, <laughs> each time he kills a vampire, it's like, boom! It's like, and popping a zit. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, a, it's like, it is, it's, like, satisfying, you know? So, to me, that's my favorite part, just the decision of how the vampires die and just watching Blade go through them. Um, I, I did think it was, I mean, not like we're going to nitpick the third movie. Like why, why even nitpick it? Cause it's so silly, but I thought it was weird that we watch him just mow through like superhuman creatures and the strongest, you know, demons in the universe. And then in the third movie, he just like surrenders to like 10 cops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, not that I was, not that I was buying into the third movie, but I was just like, and also how devastated he was about it. Like all is ruined. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like what, he lost what are you doing. You're like, it's over. Your whole life has been a nightmare. Like this is all you do is fight things. And, like, <laughs> and you can, you've literally never lost a fight in your life. And now like 10 cops with like flak jackets and you're just going to surrender. I thought it was so weird, but yeah, just uh, all the fighting and and just the way the vampires explode is my favorite part. Awesome. So uh, I guess going through a couple uh, starting from the movie, I I like the rave scene a lot. Um, I, the, I really loved how that uh, the doctor at the beginning has that boyfriend. That's like, why are we together? And then he shows up later in a zombie form. I thought was kind of funny Um, and thrown in there too. Like for, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. They didn't bring her back uh, to Mm -hmm. complete the trilogy. Oh, that was an interesting decision because they kind of built her up to be, you know, part of the team. And then she just wasn't. Um, And then Norman Reedus, uh, I mentioned in my letterboxd review, I love him having this bomb. Like I liked the twist. And then he's like, yeah. oh, great. And then it explodes, <laughs> um, which was which was hilarious. It was also like it wasn't that like I wasn't expecting that twist, but it was also kind of like an eye roll twist. Like, oh, yeah. of, of course, like I, I should have seen this coming. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't I, have seen the double twist coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I actually was my eye roll was the double twist. I'm like, oh sure. Like <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the bomb doesn't work. Yes, it does work. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. That, yeah, that was hilarious. Um I liked in the uh in the third movie, the rest of these are from the third movie. I like in the final showdown with Dracula. When he's like, Blade says, says something, and he finishes it like, Mother Ever. And then Dracula's like, Motherfucker. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, speaking of people saying dumb shit, uh, how awful was Triple H in this on a scale oh, of man. Oh, zero geez. to zero? Because you don't have another option, in my opinion. He's so bad. And it's crazy because, like, these guys these professional wrestlers are performers. I guess they're used to performing bigger and more like, mm-hmm. you know, melodramatic, I guess, but he was truly awful. And I can, I was looking at his IMDB. He's not in anything else. And I can see why. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. We, we've been, uh, we've been, again, we've kind of been uh, pampered with some great talent out of WWE and Dave Bautista, Dave Bautista and mm-hmm. the rock for sure. And John Cena, even like, yeah, does better than Triple H. Even it's Stone like, Cold was like, I mean, he just played Stone Cold, but in that, uh, in the uh, the remake of the the Longest Yard, he was good in that. You know. Like, oh yeah. 
Yeah. So it's interesting. I know like in the eighties we had the, that golden era with Hulk Hogan and like 10 different things. Um, Suburban commando. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting reading here in the trivia about triple H because they said that he impressed the producers with, with his work ethic and camera presence. So new line insisted that extra lines be written to make his role bigger. Oh, and I was like, I don't saying. think camera presence and work ethic really is the same as acting. <laughs> like yeah, he, maybe he was on set every day and maybe he looks great on camera, but that doesn't mean you need to give this guy any more lines. I think, I mean, give him more choice. screen time, like just yeah, ma- but sure. make him like a Terminator. He says one or two things. Maybe he could be a mute. He could be a guy that just grunts a lot. Like, yeah. Make him like Deadpool and uh, Wolverine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, so his mouth shut. <laughs> like, yeah. You're tough. But yeah. I mean, even, like Waterboy had uh who who was Captain Insano? The Oh yeah. Big show you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the guys who can't carry, you know, something, like just give them a role like that where they're in their comfort zone. They can mm-hmm. just kind of be there, be themselves, I guess. Yeah. Um and then uh I loved I loved Ryan Reynolds after he's like walking backwards and trips and falls down that yeah. down in the window. <laughs> I don't know. It was so funny to me. Um, and then the last, probably my favorite part of the trilogy is he's in the event he's been arrested. He's in like the questioning room. They're like, so how many have you killed? 40, 50. He's like 1,580. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which like, exact number. I honestly felt was kind of low. Yeah. <laughs> You know what 1, I mean? It's like, I guess if he's only talking about humans directly, then maybe that's right. But it's yeah. like, I feel like, it's like you I killed 1,000 kill, in Blade 1. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like, I feel like I watched you kill that many just in the first movie. But, <laughs> yeah, 1,581. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how is he keeping track anyways? I love it. Uh, but yeah. Steel trap, man. Those are my, those are my favorite parts. Um, but I... So part of our podcast, uh, part of the idea of Movie Club is just to watch new, unique things, even even when it's not the greatest thing, even when we wouldn't necessarily recommend it. We still recommend it just for the experience of experiencing something new. And so the challenge with uh, things that are maybe not didn't age well uh, is to, I guess, sell it to our listeners and those around us to give something a chance. And so I wanted to turn the time over to Tyler to try to sell this trilogy to you guys. Yeah. It's, I mean, I was going to say, I feel like we've been doing that this whole podcast, but I guess we've been kind of shitting on, especially the third (laughs) one quite a bit. I mean, for me, it's just, you have to, you have to throw out your expectations of it being a good movie. Right. And like, because I've heard about blade forever uh, and it has somewhat of a cult following. There's certainly people that like it, especially if you look at reviews on Letterboxd and IMDb and stuff. <clears throat> but I didn't really know what to expect. I was like, I don't know if this is going to actually be good or if it's going to be like silly good, which, you know, I-, I feel it falls into the second category. But, you know, for me, it's like if 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 you're into action movies at all, <laughs> like even a little bit, like you're hard pressed to find movies with more action than these because mm-hmm. they, they really do lean head. Like there's, there's a fight like every, maybe every five minutes, maybe every 10 minutes, um, especially towards the second and third movie. Um, so if you, if you, if you're into action at all, if you're into cool guys doing cool stuff and like Wesley Snipes looks really good in these fight scenes. Like he, he, he has the, the martial arts posture and he looks like he looks like he's actually like beating the shit out of these vampires. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so you can you can totally buy into it. Like, if, for me, you just throw any like character development or arc or anything out the window, and you're just gonna watch. It's it's just like it's it looks cool. It is cool. Uh, it's like cool in the way that like someone who's not trying to be cool is, you know what I mean? Until mm-hmm. the third one. And then they try to be a little too cool for their own good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I would for sure recommend, I know Ben, you said in your review that you would recommend the third one to anyone looking to watch any blade. And I would recommend the second one, but I mean, I think we're splitting hairs there. I think if you're going to, if you just want to watch a silly action movie, uh, then, you know, you can't do much worse than blade. 
Yeah, I think the second was great. I I may have misspoken. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the third to anybody. I just know if I was going to go back and watch one from the trilogy, that's the one that I'd put on yeah, for like the fun, whatever, you know, like uh, looseness of it, of not caring about it. But I do think, you know, two is definitely the best one. Um, I wrote down if I was trying to sell the trilogy, I was trying to come up with kind of like an elevator pitch. Um, so I said... <laughs> okay this is i don't know why i'm already laughing this is really <laughs> dumb but um it's like start off the marvel cinematic well it's not the mcu i don't know how i'd phrase this the know. third one was the third one had the marvel credits at the beginning oh it did right yeah yeah okay um so i'll say like start out your marvel superhero watch from uh the writer and one of the writers and the people behind the story of the dark knight trilogy as he teams up with arguably the greatest 90s action film actor to tell the story of Blade with both campy and horror elements. Guillermo del Toro directs the sequel, and the dude from the second most popular star is born as his sidekick. And we get cameos from Ron Perlman, Norman Reedus, Ryan Reynolds, Jessica Biel, Parker Posey, Pat Oswalt, and Natasha Leone. I feel like that's how I would try to sell this to people. It's like, yeah. I'm going to get all this stuff. It, I don't think it's like the sum of its, you know, parts isn't really greater than the individual parts, but I don't know. I think if you just say like, yeah, it's part of the like dark Knight trilogy. The guy that like helped write that did this. My only nitpick with your pitch is, is that how we're, is that really how we're going to describe Chris Christopherson? How would you describe him? (laughs) Oh, I mean, the the dude wrote Sunday morning coming down. He wrote uh, that one song that I can't remember right now. Janis Joplin sang it. He's a singer. Uh, Chris Christopherson. Oh yeah. He's like a, he's, he's a country like a artist. renowned country artist. Yeah. He's more of a, he wrote a lot of songs. He wrote a lot of stuff for Johnny cash. He wrote, uh, um, yeah, I guess this is how I'm going to describe Chris Christopherson. What like, the, Matt, do you I know the know. song I'm thinking of? I, I don't, I'm not super familiar with his work. Uh, I just freedom's knew. just another word for nothing left to lose. I don't know. I could sing it, but I don't think our listeners want to hear pull, it. Pull out your Chris Christopherson CDs real quick. <laughs> I do have a few, but yeah, no, he's a, he's a pretty, he's a pretty legendary. Me and Bobby uh, McGee. Son, Bobby McGee. That's right. Sunday oh, morning okay. coming down, morning coming down. Cool. He, yeah. Um, right, he, yeah, okay. he, I mean, I could, this could be wrong. I read it somewhere, but he was a, an ex, um, an ex, uh, uh, Air Force guy. And the the legend is that he flew a helicopter onto Johnny Cash's property and delivered him the tape, the demo tape for Sunday morning coming down. And Johnny Cash mm. loved it so much that he went and recorded it. And uh, yeah, so the story goes. But yeah, he's, mm. a, he's, he's a legend, man. I'm yeah, Country Music Hall of Fame. He was in the Highwaymen <laughs> with Waylon Jennings, Willie That's Nelson, right. and Johnny Cash. That's right. Well, I'm probably disappointed whatever the country music version of Palter is. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) He had a really funny quote in a Rolling Stone article about um, Toby Keith, and maybe we can try to find it. But he was talking shit about Toby Keith, and he said, Toby Keith, oh, yeah. is, he's Toby Keith is doing to country music what pantyhose did to finger fucking. <laughs> so I would that's how I would describe Chris Christopherson is the oh, man who yeah. said that legendary quote. Yes, I'm disappointed that more country artists didn't do what WWE actors do and try to be in more superhero movies. Right, yeah. be the sidekick. It's like, but yes, he also was in the second most popular A Star Is Born. So you're not wrong. Not wrong. Just <laughs> imagine Captain America. Like imagine Captain America where uh, Bucky Barnes is Garth Brooks. Hey. I the mean, <laughs> the <Winter Soldier. laughs> that's a whole different, whole different thing. It'd be Chris else. Gaines though. It wouldn't be Garth Brooks. It'd be Chris Gaines. Garth Brooks yeah. isn't an actor. Chris Gaines is an actor. There you go. <laughs> Actually, I did make me speaking of uh, uh, Chris Christopherson. There's that scene in the third movie where he's like, Seeing you surrounded by all these guys fighting, fighting breaks my heart. It's yeah. like, what? It's like, where did the, where did the sentimentality come from? Like, yeah. it reminds me of this the whole time. It, it reminds me of the emotional, like uh, Michael Caine, Alfred character in in The Dark Knight, where he's like mm-hmm. trying to urge Bruce, like as his fatherly figure, to like stop doing what he's doing, but it just doesn't work in Blade. Like, yeah. no. You're, you're providing all the equipment. This is not break your heart at all. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, this is what you wanted. This was your idea. <laughs> you created this monster. <laughs> um, so uh, I would sell this. If I were to try to talk people into watching it, I would say this is your alternative uh, 
around Halloween time, this would be your alternative vampire flick. Yeah. Uh, watching Blade, watching uh, a cool karate master fight vamps and tell unique stories around that um, with plenty of camp. If you like sword fighting and emotional glasses catching, Blade <laughs> is the trilogy for you. Yeah, it's yeah. No further. Um, but I guess before we uh, wrap up and go towards the Rushmores, I, I have to ask, um, since this is going to be a hot debate, I think <laughs> over the next few months as we go over like Captain America and Tony Stark and who was right and wrong in the Civil War. And even though this didn't exist in the MCU, uh, what side do you think Blade would have been on uh, in the MCU Civil War, Ben? Because you made us choose a side, because I, <laughs> at my heart, just feel like he would have stayed out of this. Yeah. I, I this went is stupid. The opposite to what I thought I like would do personally, and I think he would go with Tony, because I think he would also either hope for or expect that maybe along with any enhanced humans that might also like be vampires. Like if there's any way to start tracking these people. And that would make his job so much easier to hunt down vampires and kill them all. So I think he might push for it, but with the like objective of his own personal gain, not as much as like, yeah, I think the government should, you know, have their say in this. It's just like, no, just give me a list of everybody. Cause I want to go take care of all of them. Hmm. So that's why I went with uh, Iron Man. Fair enough. Now uh, we might have to cut this out and this is, uh, going to be something we can add to the long string of things that we can't tell Paltcher. I don't want him to be disappointed in me. But wh- who? What was each side arguing for? I can't. I I can't remember. Like which one? Which one wanted to follow the rules and which one didn't? I can never remember. Tony wanted to fall in with the government that like okay all the superheroes should you know basically right. be registered okay. and just like weapons of mass destruction ready to go whenever. Cap, which is like that, takes away the freedoms. Right. Everyone, okay. So. Right. Yeah. Then, right? I mean, Matt, I mean, you might be able to describe it better, but that's Reader's yeah. Digest version. I just, mm-hmm. I always get confused because, like, I mean, he's Captain America, so you would yeah. think he'd like sign with the side with the government, you know. But I guess that's our American spirit is we don't side <laughs> with anyone. Um. So yeah, I guess I'd have to agree. I would say he would go with Iron Man just because his whole thing is protecting humans, right? And so, it that's that's what the the accords are supposed to do is truly truly protect humans and i think he probably would have gone that direction and like you know he like he pretty much follows the lead like what whistler says goes you know what mm-hmm. i mean like he he seems like he he doesn't seem to be an independent necessarily you know what i mean like he has a code and he has um he has a direction and i think uh Iron Man probably would have provided the, that best to him. So I'll, yeah, I'll go with Iron Man. Okay. So I, it's funny that you said Iron Man Ben and gave that reason because that was actually my first train of thought was this makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does make sense. Um, but I actually ended up, I ended up choosing cap um, for the reason being that uh, the way that the, the government was hoping to get involved in that, um, like with Tony and almost kind of Tony's approach, I almost feel like would have been so off-putting to Blade, uh, from like a, from like a vampire standpoint where he's fighting these guys who are like tagging themselves, mm-hmm. like throughout throughout the trilogy, he's like seeing the tags of these vampires, like humans that belong to vampires, and I almost feel like Cap would recruit him to to fight these registered superheroes, mm-hmm. um. And yeah, like not get not have his his fight be impeded by government intervention. Like he wants to fight these vampires without registering. Um, but I could see the argument going either way. And I'm I'm glad that we disagreed on this so that we can get the community yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, do we think do we think there's a chance at any point, like with, you know, Doctor Strange being able to weave together universes that we see a glimpse of the Blade universe in, in Marvel, you know, in the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, I know they're making a new Blade movie and I don't know how it's going to tie in, but I, yeah, I'm curious, like, what are the odds that, you know, 
some one of the Avengers or whatever pops into wherever it is Blade lives. I think it'd be interesting. I mean, with all the rumors going around this Spider-Man three, you know, with, you know, Toby being there and Andrew Garfield and stuff like, I think we're definitely obviously getting into the, the multiverse here and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Snipes shows up for a little bit, you know, just like a, a little cameo or something in yeah. one of these MCU movies. Um, I think it deserves it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I, gen- I really do think that without Blade, it would have been more difficult to, kick off some of these other movies because blade was an overlooked IP that, Mm -hmm. you know, became a thing and, uh, sort of proved that, you know, these movies do, these stories do belong on screen, you know, and there's, there's a world of people out there that want to see it. So, yeah. And, and like you said, you know, he was one of the first, uh, you know, major comic book characters on screen of played by a person of color. So I, I I genuinely think it deserves to have some love in the overall universe now. So I think it'd be really cool, but we'll see. I wonder if they do a stinger similar to the wonder woman, 1984, you know, just like, Mm. just like kind of show it, but not much. I I would, I'd like to give him some more screen time than just like an end of credit scene, but you know, we got Howard the Duck and the end of Guardian, so like, at least give us Wesley Snipes, you know, yeah. like, give us Blade, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Does yeah, Blade I, age? Like, he definitely starts to look old in the third one. He's moving a little bit more robotically, but, like, does he actually age? He's half vampire. I think just, like, super slow. Yeah. Is that right, Matt? Like, I, I think so. He's not necessarily immortal, but he's, yeah, I think that's part of the stuff that Whistler's giving him or whatever kind of keeps him... Gotcha. But I don't know for sure. But Wesley well, Snipes wanted... doesn't age, so that yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> Speaking of things Whistler wants or Whistler gives him, I meant to prepare for this, and I wish I would have. I wanted to do a surprise Rushmore on you guys. Mm. Uh, the uh, the surprise Rushmore of best uses of an inhaler on screen. Because being um, a life, yeah. being an asthmatic for my entire life, anytime I see use of an inhaler on screen, yes. I feel represented. And so this <laughs> is probably it. by far the coolest. I mean, we have uh, the, the, the guy in little giants uses an inhaler mm-hmm. and uh, I know there's other ones. I wish I would have researched this a little bit. The better, bad guy but... in casino Royale. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. That's a really good one. Doesn't Michael Sarah use one in Juno? Yeah. I think not that it's cool, but like, I'm just trying to think of other times that I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, I wish I would have prepared. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe I'll look That's it up all right. real quick. Um, but speaking of Rushmore, uh, I think now's a great time to jump into the Rushmore of tonight, which is top four non MCU Marvel movies. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? So these are movies that were not created by Marvel studios and do not exist in that universe that they've created over the last 10 years. But our Marvel IP, comics yes, IP. Correct. Cool. So this would include um this would include Blade, this would include Daredevil and Fantastic Four, which were Fox, and X-Men, which was Fox, and the earlier Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man one, two, and three, and then the Amazing Spider-Man one and two, which were Sony properties. And the Eric Banna Hulk. And the Eric Banna Hulk, yeah. That was universal. Word. Yeah. And Ghost Rider, Fox, again. Mm-hmm. I forget that was a Marvel thing. Oh, Nick Cage. Yeah. Kick-Ass, I guess, would fit on there as well. That's a Marvel mm. IP. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is, huh? I'll go first, and then uh, I guess whichever you two wants to go next can can jump okay. in. Let's do it. Uh, so, so my first pick, um, and there's probably going to be some overlap here uh, because I feel like these movies are kind of top-heavy with how good they are, but <clears throat> first one, Spider-Man 2. I want you to find your friend, Spider-Man. Tell him to meet me at the West Side Tower at 3 o'clock. Well, I don't know where he is. Find him. <laughs> or I'll peel the flesh off her bones. If you lay one finger on her. You'll do what? Um, it's no secret to anyone who's listened to this. If When we talk about superheroes... Spider-Man 2 is probably my favorite superhero movie of all time. Um, I love it. And so that, that's taken number one. Uh, number two, X-Men Days of Future Past. Number three, nice. 
the original Spider-Man. Who is Spider-Man? He's a criminal, that's who he is. A vigilante, a public menace. What's he doing on my front page? Mr. Jameson, is a page six problem. We have a page one problem, shut up. Uh, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, and then four, finishing off with X2. I like it. Very cool. Um, you two Spideys, took, two X Men. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You took you took a couple of mine. I thought you were going to step on all of them, but um, for me, I'd have to put uh, I'd have to put Deadpool at the top of that. Oh, hello. I know, right? Whose balls did I have to fondle to get my very own movie? I can't tell you, but it does rhyme with Pulverine. And let me tell you. He's got a nice pair of smooth criminals down under. I don't really know what else what else I can say about Deadpool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, I put Deadpool at the top. Um, I also had Days of Future Past on there. Um, I also had Spider-Man 2. And then I also had um, the other Spider-Man 2, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man mm. with uh, Andrew Garfield. Uh, well, I guess that's the first one, right? Whatever the first one is. Hey, my name is Spider-Man. You can call me Webhead. You can call me Amazing. Just don't call me late for dinner. You get it? The first the amazing, one with Andrew Garfield. Like the the one with Electro with Jamie Foxx? Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I really loved that version of Spider-Man. I was really sad that it didn't uh, have more legs than it did. Um, it might not be perfect, but I was never a huge comic book person, and I just really liked that movie. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, Deadpool, Days of Future Past, Spider-Man 2, and then... Uh, Spider-Man 2, the first one. <laughs> the second Spider-Man, <laughs> nice. the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, got some crossover here. Obviously, I'm with you, Matt. Uh, Spider-Man 2 be my top. It would be my Rushmore for just comic book movies in general. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. Sam Raimi, Doc Ock. Like, uh, yeah, it's arguably, it's a, it's a perfect movie in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, X-Men 2. Uh, just that, I mean, the opening scene with Nightcrawler, like talk about setting the tone. Like, it's just like, holy shit, this is awesome. This is Mm -hmm. so cool. I love this. Um, I also have Deadpool on mine just because I think it was a great twist on the comic book movie genre. And we kind of got to see Deadpool, the character on screen, breaking the fourth wall, like he does in the comic books. I, I, Mm -hmm. and Ryan Reynolds was just, I mean, talk about people that are born to play a certain role. Like it just, he, <laughs> he fits perfectly. Like it's yeah. when you, when you leak your own test footage, so the movie will get made. It's like, yeah, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is great. You, uh, um, you just, you just took everything I was trying to say, but got tongue tied on. I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's like the perfect representation of the source material. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it really is to me, like the comic book on screen, which I think is really cool. So yeah. you would think that they based the comic book off of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would. Yeah, <laughs> seriously He's perfect for it. But sorry, I uh, stepped on your, your. No, you're you're fine. Honestly, like Days of Future Pad, that's a really good choice. Uh, I mean, I love that movie. It's so good. Um, but I ended mine with someone else who I think was kind of born to play the role, and that was Logan. Laura. 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 No. No. Um, mm. I, I thought that was, I mean, talk about like ending a character perfectly. Oh, spoiler alert. I still haven't seen it. What do you mean? I still haven't seen, still haven't seen it. <laughs> Listen, at, at, I'm kidding. at, the, I don't bumper, care. at the beginning, we spoil all the movies here, but that's right. Um, and also like Wolverine never dies. So, um, no, mm-hmm. I, I mean, just like Hugh Jackman, he's, I don't know. It's so, it, now I'm tongue tied. I don't know what to say. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. There's so many scenes in this movie where like professor X is slowing like everybody down around him and like Wolverine. I, I, I don't know. Fuzz. You need to watch this. Please I, watch this movie. I, it's, I know it's, it's so, so <sighs> good. Um, Man. so yeah, Logan would, would end mine. So Spider-Man two, the rainy Spider-Man X-Men two, Deadpool and Logan. Very cool. Awesome. Love it. Those are, those are great picks. Uh, we had a lot of fun watching blade. I, I already knew I was going to have a good time watching it, but I still underestimated how good of a time I had watching this trilogy. Um, I recommend it. Um, I know that like Tyler said, we kind of didn't have great things to say about it, but 
all that said, like that's also kind of what made it enjoyable at the same time was right. Just if you want to see a movie that's all 1998, um, watch Blade. Mm-hmm. There's also a ton of good movies that came out in 1998. So watch Blade and a bunch of others. But um, yeah, we had a great time with it. Trilogies has been fun. Um, please go on our Patreon and uh, become a patron. Check out our shop. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, you know what to do. Uh, we love doing this. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and before we let you go, uh, it would really help us out if you're enjoying this. So uh, let us know on uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Yes. It's, uh, you know, not only selfishly to help us, you know, be exposed to new people. We genuinely want to know what you like or don't like or, uh, mm. you know, what you enjoy about what we're doing. Um, we, we're, we're not trying to just put something out into a void. We, you know, we want to, we want to hear from everyone. So whether it's on Instagram or on Apple podcasts or YouTube comments, wherever, we just want to hear from you guys and, and interact with you guys. And we really appreciate uh, all the support and everyone that's listened so far. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun just growing this community. Um, Trilogies has been a lot of fun, too. If you want to be ready for our next episode, we're going to be talking about the Before Trilogy, the Richard Linkletter Trilogy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to, to watch those. And I know, I know they're super popular, you know, like really well-made movies. So I'm excited to check those out. So if you if you want to join us for the next watch, we'll be going over the Before Trilogy. Awesome. So thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you next time. We'll see you later. See ya. See ya. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Oh, you're expecting a teaser for Deadpool 2. Well, we don't have that kind of money. What are you expecting? Sam Jackson?